The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Welcome. It is a pleasure to be with you this evening, and I'm excited about the conversation that we are going to be having because there's a movement that is happening. Have you sensed an exponential rise in the people power across this planet? More and more people are making their needs and their values known. They're pouring into the streets, and they're staying there until they're really heard. There's an exchange of ideas that is giving support to systemic transformation, sharing organizational models, and getting to know each other at ever-accelerating rates of connectivity. This sleeping giant is awakening in the masses of humanity. It is conscious, it is aware of its rights, and it is decidedly averse to being dominated. These are some of the thoughts from a wonderful book that is a bestseller entitled Cultivating Peace by author James O.D. And it has been an absolute pleasure to read this, to understand and to recognize the various steps that take place in cultivating peace. James O.D. is a renowned figure in international social healing who has conducted healing and reconciliation dialogues for 20 years and was the director of Amnesty International's D.C. office for over 10 years. His work as co-director of the Social Healing Project led him to Rwanda, Israel, Palestine, and Northern Ireland, and the lead faculty of the popular Peace Ambassador Training hosted by the Shift Network. James is also on the extended faculty of the Institute of Noetic Sciences and its immediate past president. He is a member of the advisory board for the Peace Alliance and the perfect person to have really written this book. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome James O'D to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you so much, Simran. How great to be with you. It's wonderful to have you here, and it does seem that there is this rise of people, this desire to be heard, to connect, to uh, to change the systems that are taking place, but it is a, a change that's wanting to happen in a different way than aggression or fighting. It is something completely different, and you know very much about this. Yes, it's really the emergence of a culture of peace, and so... While there are many cauldrons bubbling on the planet and some of them are overboiling still with hatred and tempest and, you know, real, real trauma, there is another kind of percolation going on in the world. And it's the difference between what we used to think about as the peace movement, which was based in pointing the finger at others and 
not really being the piece that we said we, we were about fully, to now the culture of peace movement saying, look, wait a minute, we've got to be peace. We've got to actually be demonstrations of peace. We've got to learn the skills of peace all the way through. And what's beautiful about it is it's in the home. Parents are teaching their kids nonviolent communication, how to settle their problems peacefully, how to deal with bullying at school, how to change those ideas and worldviews that simply don't work anymore. And so my my eyes go right into the heart of the average human being, the so-called average human being. I'm not distracted by all the media kerfuffle because as I go around the world, I see that in the heart of the so-called average human being, something is really changing that's bringing them out, making them make political decisions and directions in their lives that say we must favor plurality, we must favor tolerance, we must favor really a whole new world paradigm based on peace and and skillful relationships with each other. And in the past, I think often when people were really speaking about peace and it was more in a, a protest or antagonistic type of manner, it was because it was really stemming from deep places of anger and pain and woundedness and aggression of wanting to change something, but that seems like it was almost more out of frustration. And the peace that seems to be birthing now is one of activism, one of people feeling more responsible or understanding to some degree, even if not fully consciously, that that peace has to come in and through them. Yes, and in any given age... We do what we can do, so we thank the peace movement that helped end the war in Vietnam. But we've learned so much that if we just focus on war and we focus on the problem, you know, the problem has this capacity then to devour our attention and we we live inside the problem. It defines our strategy. Now, what I think that big shift is about is saying, What's the solution? So it doesn't bring us into direct polarity with war. It brings us into a relationship with the future, how to create the solutions that we really want in our own mind, psychology, emotional body. And as you mentioned, you know, with the wounding, how do we learn now to interrupt the cycles of wounding, the transmission of wounds from one generation to another? And so it's, Simran, it's so exciting to see that this dimension of the peace movement has got its roots deep in not just that old form of activism, really, but what we would call sacred activism, that deep awakening of the human spirit, the heart, the consciousness, all of that inner shift that then aligns and synchronizes with deep systemic transformation. That's big news. It's huge news, and I love how you started out this book because the very first chapter speaks about how we really take things sometimes way too seriously. We take ourselves too seriously. We take life too seriously. We take the issue that we're dealing with too seriously. And although they may be serious matters, there is a place within us that we have to come from 
that involves the joy that we would feel or the laughter or, or at least finding that place so that we can move from a different position than the the anger that we may have in the past. Talk a little bit about that because yeah. I don't think people often realize how serious we get about everything and how that can be to the detriment of our bodies and our lives. Well, I think it's that hyper-fanatical seriousness that gets us into trouble. And one of the hallmarks of a peaceful person is that they're able to get distance, be a little bit more objective about their relationship, their role, their part in the story. And as you're saying, the new science tells us, wow, the people who are who are able to experience that level of dispassion and connection and joy and not taking themselves too seriously, they seem to live longer. They're, they're more oriented towards altruism and helping others. So, yes, what happens is we get too serious and we get locked into uh, you know, the adrenaline bursts and the poor pumping of cortisol in our system. All those things start to get neurological trenches, and we get used to that way of relating to the world. What we've discovered is, you know, because we've been learning the spiritual arts, the consciousness work, the consciousness science, and combining it, with activism and social transformation, we see that you know the heart science that tells us you know, when your heart is in coherence, it's really looking at love and relationship and gratefulness and appreciation. It's not centered in anger. It's not centered in that problem. Then your body is not pumping cortisol and adrenaline. It's pumping DHEA, and your heart field is radiating out this different electromagnetic single signal into the environment. So when you come into conflict with someone, you know, if you're you're pumping too much of that other stuff, you get triggered quickly and you're then you're you're triggering together. Whereas if you've done some meditative process, if you've done some deep heart work, heart centering work, and begin to learn these new arts of peacemaking, when somebody hurls a fence at you or gets too overboiled themselves, you can be a magnet for peace by helping them come to center in themselves because they see you are not triggered. You're remaining centered. You're remaining deeply listening. When somebody feels, wow, this person is actually listening to me, it makes a huge difference. It, it really starts to transform conflict when we... That's why I have a whole chapter in the book on listening, the art and science of listening. Our bodies understand the rewards of peace. Peace is pleasurable, collective, and safe, but it needs the circuitry of connection to distribute its self-fulfilling reward. Peace is the ultimate reward to be experienced by the body because it is creating self-renewing, but it occurs only if three conditions are present. If peace is experienced as dynamic, juicy, and empowering, rather than some kind of perpetually tamped down flatland for righteous seriousness and supposedly virtuous people. If peace motivates our life's purpose by engaging our highest creativity and moral imagination, and if we manifest the passion, courage, emotional resilience, and deep generosity that peace building requires. This is from the book Cultivating Peace, Becoming a 21st Century Peace Ambassador by author James O.D. It is a best-selling book.
And I'd like to urge you to visit the website, jamesod.com. That's J-A-M-E-S-O-D-E-A.com. And you'll find out more about the book. You can also find out about a Peace Ambassador training, which is listed on the website. And there are still sign-ups open for that. So definitely take a look. We'll be right back with James O.D. Again, that's jamesod.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444... People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. In these changing times, the journey toward global consciousness has never been more important. Gaim TV is the first online video library dedicated to support your journey toward global and personal discovery. Our viewers enjoy unlimited access to our vast selection of inspiring interviews, engaging films, and award-winning wellness videos. And we invite you to try it for free. Visit www.gaiamtv.com to start your free trial. The journey starts now. That's G-A-I-A-M TV dot com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. Listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. My guest today is James O'Dee, who's a renowned figure in international social healing. He is the author of Cultivating Peace, Becoming a 21st Century Peace Ambassador. And you can find out more about him at jamesod.com. That's J-A-M-E-S-O-D-E-A.com. Definitely look up the Peace Ambassador training. There are a few spots left if you're interested in that. And you can find out that information on the website. An ambassador of peace is someone who recognizes the importance of transforming both inner blockages to peace and those blockages in the external relations, cultures, and systems that prevent peace in the world. Peace ambassadors become skillful in learning the art and the practice and the science of peace while cultivating peace within themselves. As fluently as they model and express peace, they learn to reflect and embody it. James, that's a huge piece of 
piece. <laughs> when when you look at things, I think we're so used to labeling and putting names on what we think things are, and this idea of really understanding that we have to do that inner work and we have to look on the inside as well as on the outside and, and shift things in both places I think is pretty powerful because many people either get so focused on let me fix what's out there or there's another side of people that are so focused on just let me fix what's in here but it is the culmination of the two that is actually going to be that sacred activist that really makes a difference in the world. Yes, Simran, I think you've nailed it there. I mean, I can experience that in my own development working as the Washington office director of Amnesty International. I mean, the incredible intensity of trying to stop torture and human rights abuses around the planet in so many places. You know, my staff, sometimes I have to call at midnight and tell them, go home. But, you know, so they're so... How do we just save one more life or help one more person? And and then it can you you can get so pulled into just that thinking that it's all to be done on the outside, and you're there's nothing nothing to relate to you. And then you get so exhausted by that kind of activism, you get burnout and so on. And then you say, oh, the solution is to kind of go to the meditation cushion and just learn to be peace and learn stillness. And as you're saying, it's really, that's a polarity. What we're called upon is to integrate the two. You know, Thomas Merton, the famous theologian, said, you know, simply thinking that you have to go out and keep saving the world and running around always you know, with that approach, he said, is a kind of violence. Mm. Being too too busy is a kind of violence. So now we're learning that it's not a matter of simply switching off from one to the other, but integrating them so that, you know, we do self-care. Wow, what a good concept. We're supposed to nourish and take care of ourselves and have ten, plenty of time for good quality relationships in our lives as part of the whole deal of moving the game forward so that we're bringing with us the reality we seek to promote. As Gandhi said, be the change you seek in the world. And I think it's a very important time because of the, as we've been saying, the confluence of so many fields of really nonviolent communication, of learning all the methods of conversation and deep dialogue, the deep psychology work that teaches about how to heal wounds and stop getting caught in victim consciousness, the work of systems transformation, the work of so many aspects of, of, of negotiation, mediation, conflict resolution. They're all coming together and then to kind of the cherry on the top is that new science that reinforces for us, this is the way to go, this is the way to shift consciousness. So we've got a kind of time of important conversions, and do we ever need it? I mean, look at the planet, so many people trying to breathe into a new form and then being attacked or being crushed or finding that the old financial systems, the ecological systems, the old governance modalities, the dictatorships, are all 
pushing them, trying to push them back into an old world where they certainly can't fit anymore. So we we are truly in an ethical age when the average, the so-called average human being, is called on as never before to translate what they know in their hearts into systemic transformation. Very, very big task, but I truly believe it's one we're up to. Most definitely. I love the statement that you write that the emerging peacemaker synchronizes the inner and the outer work because so much of what is going on inside of each one of us collectively is creating this turmoil that's in our world. And so it's our personal responsibility to allow ourselves to tap into what is the wounding and the belief systems and the psychology that's on the inside and then take the active steps after not only working within ourselves, but then, like you say, be that change in the world to bring that compassionately forward, but not to to feel like we have to change people, because when we change ourselves, that will, in a sense, change what's going on. Yes, indeed, and you mentioned this aspect of wounding. I mean, really, it is one of the deepest difficulties that when... We get wounded legitimately, you know, hurt deeply, profoundly hurt, that we can then turn that experience into a state of consciousness that permanently references our wounding, and it gathers around us and starts to reinforce itself as what we call victim consciousness. What a terrible thing that people who've been really assaulted and, and, and deprived and hurt in deep ways, then end up carrying a consciousness that's going to result in more violence. Because somewhere along the line, the perpetrator you know, carries the wound. Sometimes that wound is transmitted from generation to generation like a sacred relic. Now we have the skills and the consciousness to say, how much we have to liberate ourselves from that wound attachment. And when we do, we're bigger, greater, our hearts are wider, deeper, we're more compassionate beings. And I've seen cases where I talk about Francis McEnany in Northern Ireland, brutally shot, you know, on her way to work, losing pints and pints of blood on the way to the hospital, and then hearing the doctor tell her family as she came to consciousness. We're making her as comfortable as possible. But she was, you know, basically what happened is one of the bullets got lodged right next to her aorta. Mm. The doctor said to her, we just can't operate. If we try to operate, we'd kill you in the process. It's a very vicious situation, but you have a bullet right next to your heart. And she prepared to die, but she didn't die. And then... She had to get on with the rest of her life. She is alive today. She walks the streets of Londonderry, the woman with the bullet next to her heart. Mm. And she turned all of her own suffering and victimization into energy to bring reconciliation and healing between Protestants and Catholics. That's our power to transcend the wound. I mean, she could have been the ultimate victim. What have you got? I've got a bullet next to my heart. But instead... She transformed that energy into service for humanity. 
Well, and you write that healing begins with the understanding that the perpetrator acts out because of the trauma that they've inherited from the past and that really this is woven into the fabric of the human evolutionary process. We we do have to change our stance and how we view the people that are committing such acts in order to create the change. It doesn't mean that we allow the types of things that are taking place, but in the way that we approach things, in the way that we see them, that in itself creates a shift. Oh, absolutely. It's like that wisdom of St. Francis, seek to understand more than to be understood. Because when you get the understanding, you get the beginning of the solution. You think of Bashir Assad in Syria today and 37,000 of the civilians of the country have been slaughtered. And, you know, well, where does his wound come from? Well, when he was a little 10-year-old boy, his father slaughtered 10,000 people, gassed them to death in the city of Homs, kind of said to his son, this is how you deal with problems if they arise. Mm-hmm. Now the son carries the wound of the father, slaughtering even more people to remain in power. And it's only by understanding what, how the perpetrator is the concealed victim, is carrying the transmitted wound, that we can ever seek to interrupt its transmission. And you talk about in the book that this is where the inner work is. You speak of it as being moral maps and belief systems and the psychology. Talk a little bit about that, because, because he just learned what he learned. And that was his moral compass, but that doesn't mean that that is what is the best for humanity. It's just the way that he learned. It's the way that he learned, and yet we know that once we can unravel that that worldview, that belief system that's crouching in there to support the wound, then we begin to do the transformation work. And you see it in the United States that people have swallowed a belief system that punishment, punishment, punishment works, and slowly that belief system is unraveling thanks to the emerging of restorative justice, thanks to also the scale of the problem that, you know, the United States now imprisons one-third of the people on planet Earth are imprisoned in the United States. It's not working. Punishment will not heal and resolve our issues for the next generation. We simply create more wounded criminals and who do more crime and perpetration. So once we say, okay, well, if belief is the belief system about punishment is not working, what is the belief system that is going to support all of our needs for a healthy civil society? We don't want crime. We want healthy. We begin to look at then healing modalities know, where we seek to transform that very basic wound in the criminal themselves and in the system of punishment that supports that orientation. Today's peace movement has a new imperative to mirror the change it is looking for in the world and not wait for others to deliver it. Be the change has become a central motive of the emerging peace movement because evolution now requires a transformation of inner consciousness matched with the capacity to reach measurable social goals and to master daunting political challenges. 
we have begun to see that we cannot address the problem of violent aggression without changing fundamental beliefs and addressing the cultural and structural underpinnings of violence. This is from Cultivating Peace, Becoming a 21st Century Peace Ambassador by best-selling author James O.D. You can find out more about him at his website, jamesod.com, and also about an upcoming event, which is Peace Ambassador Training, which is listed on his website. There are a few sign-ups still available if you're interested in that. Again, you can connect with James at jamesod.com, J-A-M-E-S-O-D-E-A.com. We'll be right back. This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Every life on Earth has the capability of knowing the world in a much more powerful way than what we've settled for. And Gaiam TV is there to support your journey in knowledge, awareness, and awakening. Our vision is to raise global consciousness by bringing viewers original interviews, inspiring films, and engaging series on today's most sought-after topics. We invite you to try Gaiam TV free for 10 days. Visit www.gaiamtv.com to claim your free trial. You won't look at your life and your world the same way again. That's G-A-I-A-M-TV.com. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Peace can no longer be reduced to flags, banners, and protest movements. Peace is so large and encompassing because it brings together inner security and global security. It links the inner life and the whole web of life with its requirements for sustainability and equity on a global scale. Finally, we are looking at a map of peace that includes broad worldview, reframing as well as changes in specific beliefs and behaviors and their enactment on a large scale. This is from the book Cultivating Peace, Becoming a 21st Century Peace Ambassador by best-selling 
author James O.D. He is a renowned figure in the international social healing movement and has been on the lead faculty of the popular Peace Ambassador Training hosted by the Shift Network. He's also on the extended faculty of the Institute of Noetic Sciences and its immediate past president. Uh, James O.D. can be contacted, and you can find out more about his book at jamesod.com. That's J-A-M-E-S-O-D-E-A.com. Also find out about his Peace Ambassador Training, which is listed on the website, and there are a few spots still open. James, you were talking about how we need to change the way that we look at uh, the penal system and, and all of the way we look at criminals and things like that. And that is part of what is where we have to expand our own comfort zones. Beyond who we are and how we see ourselves, we have to expand the comfort zone of how we see the world and how we view what in the past we were taught was right or wrong. Um, talk about how it's important to be stretched and tested and how, if we're not, that we're really not growing as human beings. Yes, uh, actually, I wrote a, an earlier book called Creative Stress, A Path for Evolving Souls, uh, and it's, it's really that sense of we are given these challenges and if we block them, if we numb them down, or if we have a an approach that says, well, I'm just going to send this energy back to where it came from or I'm going to deny it or I'm going to block it or I'm going to feed off of it as a victim. Uh, we, we lose the opportunity for growth. So in a strange way, you know, once we begin to shake hands with our difficulties and ultimately learn to embrace them, we become so much more powerful human beings. And that's what, you know, people the world over have taught me in very, very profound situations that certainly have stretched their capacities way beyond what a normal human being is called to do. And, uh, you know, like the mother in Rwanda who eventually forgave the murderers of her children. And that's stretching so far for most of us that... But it's a great example that we can, in fact, go that far, that we can truly reconcile the most difficult perpetration once we really understand that the perpetrator is the victim. And yet what I try to do in that chapter also, Simran, is say, stretch and then consolidate. Stretch, but don't stretch beyond your capacity to renew yourself, stretch yourself so that you're always growing, you're always challenging, you're always challenged, you're expanding your own kind of moral compass. And at the same time, you're creating that nourishment and relief and rest and relational repair that is so important to sustaining us. Because sometimes when we keep stretching, stretching, we find we may burn out. So it's, again, a balancing act. And much of the book has that element in it of saying, wait a minute, we need to get subtle here. We need to get subtle about the fact that, yes, we've got to stretch and push ourselves to grow. You know, I say the heart is a phoenix. It can be an experience deep wounding and even despair, and then we can rise out of the ashes. But at the same time, 
we need to take care and renew. We need that softening, that softening that says it's so important to nourish ourselves and others. And, and listening is one of those softening activities where you have to come into your own restful energy to really attend to the other person. And because you're at rest and keenly open and susceptible to what they're saying, they, they are able to move and grow. I've seen so much growth happening in these social healing dialogues simply because two people gave each other the time to really, really listen. And that's not a passive activity. That's a lot, a lot of people might think that if I sit there and just listen, it means that I've backed off and I'm not expressing my voice and I'm not, you know, having my own stance on things. But, but that's really a mistaken belief because listening has a lot more power than that. Indeed. In fact, profound listening we've discovered in the new science has the ability to really help de-escalate things that are going on in the other person's blood pressure and blood chemistry, all their pumping of adrenaline, the amygdala in the midbrain, which gets, you know, fight or flight. You are the quality of your deep heart-centered listening can actually bring the other person to a state of where they themselves can begin to hear what is needed. And this relates, too, to a whole chapter I have on energy mastery. They were finally learning that the peacemaker is really an energy master. We're, we're able to listen deeply and keep ourselves focused in compassion. We're able not to get triggered when somebody says difficult and challenging things to us. We're able not to just keep dwelling on and overindulge in, you know, thinking about the woundedness. There are so many aspects to peacemaking now that focus on this energy mastery that's really exciting because, again, it brings all these fields of health, consciousness, all the amazing things that we're learning in those fields into the skills base for the peacemaker. I, I love know how that you, you know a lot it. about those skills yourself. I, I love how you compare a lot of it to Aikido as well, how, how the movements of the peacemaker are very much what the movements and the stillness and the action of an Aikido master might be. Yes, because in Aikido you reach the ultimate, I think, understanding that I have a deep responsibility to protect myself, absolutely clear responsibility to protect myself. But then the, I, if I can do it, I want to protect the other person from themselves as well. Wow, now we're really playing the, ga- the game at a very high level. And, you know, I tell the story of a man who's getting off the train in Brooklyn, and a young man came up to him with a big knife and, you know, said, you know, he was shaking a bit, but he said, give me your money. And the Aikido began where the, the man gave him the money, and as the young man was running away, he said, well, why don't you take my coat too? Because I can see you're young and you're, it's a cold night, and I'm near my home anyway. 
and this stopped the young aggressor in his tracks. And wow, yeah, he couldn't believe it. And then eventually, you know, he he manages to get into dialogue with the young man. They go to have dinner at the diner, and uh, the man says, "Well, I I would pay for your dinner, but somebody took my wallet." The young man returns his wallet, and the final part of the story is he he says to the young man, you know, I'd like to give you some money because I I know you really need it. You wouldn't be doing this unless you needed it. So here's $20, but what I want in return for my $20 is your knife. And so finally, in this Aikido, he has disarmed the young man. He has given him every signal of how to relate in a situation. It's brilliant. That's what, that's ultimate peacemaking. You take care of yourself and you take care of the other person. Mission accomplished. Now, James, there's an element there where an individual has decided not to engage in the fear or what have they done with the fear that would arise in a situation like that? It's again, they've mastered their energy body. It goes right back to that energy mastery where they may in fact feel fear, but the fear is not dominating them. There is some other part of their awareness that is able to transcend the fear. So naturally, if somebody comes to you with a big knife, I was knifed in Turkey, you you do, your body is going to start pumping adrenaline. But if you've developed that subtle energy awareness and mastery, you're able to listen to your body and tell your body, yes, I know it's a dangerous situation and a life-threatening one, but your consciousness is in control of the situation and is able to do what is then needed to say, thank you, fear, for giving me a signal, but I have a deeper signal inside me, which is love and compassion. Now, you write that cultivating peace is a journey of intense discovery as we begin to perceive the patterns of relatedness and connection we were previously blind to. Is this part of that as well, that we are starting to understand that the other is a part of us as well, that we must connect in that way for our world to change, for peace to come about in the world at some point? Yes, you're right, Simran. This is the time when in that movement in consciousness, it is is, like taking the magic pill. Once you start to move into an understanding of how everything is interconnected and interrelated, you see how you are a part of the whole design and everything is connected. You know, I had a meeting recently with the U.S. military in Washington, and some of them have been studying systems theory and systems theory 101 says, you know, we're all connected, we're all a part of each other. So they went to Admiral Mullen and they said, you know, in systems thinking, the United States cannot possibly be a closed system. It's an open system, and it's going to be affected by all kinds of other variables. Brilliant. Now, just by, you know, swallowing or, or emerging into this kind of consciousness, begin to see the field of connections, the relatedness of all things, and you start to study the design of how those things are related rather than how we're supposed to protect and defend 
our little part of something as if it was only, you know, a separate reality when in fact it's all connected. Systems move between various degrees of stability and instability, order and disorder. When the disorder becomes too great, things fall apart. When the order is too rigid, things can't grow or develop. Instability is an aspect of chaos. A certain degree of instability, known as the edge of chaos, can be where creativity and innovation occur. Therefore, do not fear chaos, but use it to bring about greater coherence. This is from the book Cultivating Peace, Becoming a 21st Century Peace Ambassador by best-selling author James O.D. You can find out more about him at jamesod.com. In addition to his Peace Ambassador training, we'll be right back with James right after this. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. In these changing times, the journey toward global consciousness has never been more important. Gaia TV is the first online video library dedicated to support your journey toward global and personal discovery. Our viewers enjoy unlimited access to our vast selection of inspiring interviews, engaging films, and award-winning wellness videos. And we invite you to try it for free. Visit www.gaiamtv.com to start your free trial. The journey starts now. That's G-A-I-A-M-TV.com. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Cultivating Peace is a profound guidebook that reframes and expands the mission of building a global culture of peace. Going far beyond conventional techniques of conflict resolution, James O.D. provides a holistic approach to peace work 
covering its oft-ignored cultural, spiritual, and scientific dimensions, while providing guidance suitable even for those who have never considered themselves peace builders. James O'Dea is, is, unique, is unique in his ability to integrate personal experience in the world's violent conflict zones with insights gathered from decades of work in social healing, human rights advocacy, and consciousness studies. Become an ambassador for peace, beginning in your own life. Following in the footsteps of Gandhi and King, O.D. keeps the dream of peace alive by teaching us how to dissolve all wounds and reconcile our differences. He strikes deep chords of optimism even as he shows us how to face the heart of darkness in conflict situations. Definitely connect with him at jamesod.com and get your copy of Cultivating Peace, Becoming a 21st Century Peace Ambassador. It has to start in your own life and then it can filter out into the lives of others. James, we have just a few minutes left in the segment, and I would love for individuals to understand what the characteristics of today's emerging peace ambassadors would be. Can you talk a little bit about that? Right. We've touched on it a little bit. I say, for example, that one of the defining qualities of this emerging leader is that they don't get trapped in that you know, overwhelming entropy of the problem. They don't get pulled down by the problem and constantly define themselves. In some ways, I say, it's almost like they experience a hologram of the whole. They sense the whole. And it's been very interesting when you do research around people's relationship to the immediate future. They feel threatened, they say bad things are coming, but if you ask them about the longer-term future, they say it seems to be good, things get mm. resolved. That's true. I think the peacemaker has some sense of what that whole solution might be, how breathtaking it is, and why, in fact, we can be sustained in difficulty and with terrible crisis going on, uh, even you know the worst things going on when we have this sense of what the whole resolution of the problem is. And how much of it really is establishing also a belief in peace? You know, we we have this history throughout the world of conflict. Many of us have grown up with conflict in our own lives or seeing it in varying degrees that probably one of the things that we have to begin to uncover within ourselves is what is our own belief about peace, whether or not we can be at peace, and whether or not the world has a chance for peace. Yes, indeed. And a friend of mine recently sent me a wonderful poem uh, that essentially was saying, you know, peace is not a snowflake or a little white dove. It's really feisty and strong and rich and... It's dynamic and juicy, as you that quote you read earlier on in the program. And I think it's that discovery that tells people, wait a minute, peace is not that passive, wilting state, but it's a dynamic state that brings us to creativity. So I talk about in the book also peace and creativity. Who is it that you're called to be? Peace is the thing that says, I want to hear from you and you and you. I want to hear about your talents, your capacities, who you want to be, what it is that you can give the world, an invitation to open up 
And when we really respond to our own deepest inner calling, we feel peace beyond measure because we're really then reading our soul's code. We're reading the deep code of our own nature. That's what's going on with the peace movement, the new peace movement. You can dance, theater, art, psychology, social work, science, systems theory. You can come from so many directions of what your interests and talents and creativity are about and then unfold that, be committed to that and the expression of who you are. And that is the ultimate antidote to to the conflict, I believe, is to for us to relentlessly, bravely, courageously, we, peace is courageous because it says, who are you going to be? And do you have the courage and the commitment to incarnate that which is given within you. What a fabulous story that is, Mm. the emergence of our belief in our own spiritual destiny. And we we do. We all love that story of the hero, the the one that comes out from the shadows and and really makes the, the changes and the shifts and the actions that save and and bring about a new world. And that's what we're each here being called to do. You even have throughout the book uh, and their calls, the call, uh, different exercises and uh, methods that people can engage in to help them cultivate this peace within themselves. Yes, the call sections of the book are really calling you, calling your deepest inner being to to merge with this new science and this understanding. What I love about the emerging process is we are asked to hold a vision, but we're also asked to be flexible and open enough to revise our vision, not to get so attached to it that we won't take any feedback that isn't supporting us. That's narrow-mindedness. But this kind of openness in consciousness, this opening, planetary opening in consciousness, invites us to be flexible, to receive anything as feedback. And I love the story of Wilberforce and his journey with the abolition of slavery. It took him a lifetime of getting, no, that's not going to work, that's not going to work. But he kept going with that sense of vision, of holding that all of this is just information for me on my journey to to my sacred task to help abolish slavery. So we're being given a great invitation at this time by the cosmos. And I hope when you accept it, when each one of us accepts us, we feel that peace that passes all understanding. Thank you so much, James, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. It has been an honor and a pleasure, and I truly appreciate your work very, very much. Listen, thank you for your work and your magazine and your dedication and your service to the planet Simran. Oh, much appreciated. What is emerging is a map of the whole that looks at the dynamic and interactive nature of relationships between parts and whole, inner and outer. And finally, this new chart of the way to peace requires a greater mastery of subtlety and complexity. Peace is a complex equation far beyond who is right and who is wrong, who takes home the most money or who has the most stuff. Peace requires a subtle appreciation of cultural nuance and local conditions. We cannot get to peace without understanding the complex relationship between plurality and unity. This book, Cultivating Peace, is about the new map, 
its new requirements, and the movement it heralds. I urge you to get your copy of Cultivating Peace so that you as the reader can move into the territory of peace building and are not left at the door with just simply how-to formulas. You will know when you're in the territory by the way it starts to stimulate a richness and a fullness in your heart and mind and the way it stirs you to act. Will you answer the call? Cultivating Peace, Becoming a 21st Century Peace Ambassador. Connect with James O.D. at jamesod.com. That's J-A-M-E-S-O-D-E-A.com. Next week, my guests are Anudia Judith and Lion Goodman, and we're speaking about the chakras and how to embody the chakras from the top down rather than the bottom up. Until next week, I'm Simran Singh. Be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Talk Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens.